and we're recording again. This is going to be BTP episode take three. Actually, it's not take three, but that's what we're going to call. Also, we know that the episode don't start until Josh fails five times to flick. That was so bad. I've never seen oh. you fail so many times to flick the tip. Well, do you know what the, the important thing is, is I didn't give, ooh, I've got a, a Tiran Grayal tonight that I'll be drinking out of, apparently. It's funny, because like in the right light, the, the cup looks golden. That's It's an extra dollop kind of night. You know what I'm saying? You get where it's good, and you give a little dollop. A little dollop will do you. You could fill a whole room with a dollop of Daisy. Or is it you could buy a whole room? It's true. It's true. You could. You could. You could indeed. Watch me pour this Coca-Cola into nothing that I hold with my hands. This is going to be trippy. Strictly audio enjoyers, uh, I promise you he's not taking uh, <laughs> not relieving himself at the J on. For our uh, audio listeners, you guys should really for legal reasons. see what's happened. For legal reasons, he's not in front of a urinal or a turlet. <laughs> There's shit. On the outside. Welcome the to turlet. the Black Tower. Sorry, go ahead. Say what you're saying. Talk talk your shit real quick. Oh, Get it out. No, no. We're good. No, go ahead. Go on. It was a letter Kenny reference because we don't make those at all <laughs> on this podcast. Oh, quick tangent. Shorzy. That show is uh-huh. funny as hell. I love it so much. I'll uh, have to take your word on it. podcast welcome to another episode of the black tower podcast where we dose out weekly doses of tainty goodness the likes of which the world has never beheld we dose it out we dose it in we dosey do whatever dosey around based whatever dosey you do to do do dosey we done did do it that's certified South right there. Oh, yeah, it is. See, and the maybe good or, part is maybe good or bad, depending on your love of language. My, uh, I just heard some English teacher and English major soul so bad. When I, was, when I was in Georgia, and I bought my first house down there, and I met my neighbor, Sammy. And I swear to God, he was Boomhauer. The only words I could understand out of that man's mouth were cuss words and slurs. But that, that was, it was, it was, God damn it. And you're just like, whoa, what, what? I'm sorry. What did you say? And I said, I knew that I didn't know what we're saying, but we want to make sure you understand the hate. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, when I, when I knew when I'd been there too long is when I could understood, when I understood what he was saying and I didn't even realize it. And he'd just come over and he'd back, 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 back. and I was like, oh, you know, Sam, just chilling, just having a good old time. And I was like, oh, man. So there it is. That's it. That's the story of why I love 
Georgia, but also needed to leave Georgia. Hi, I'm Josh. I'm the Soro Von Mahale. Hi, I'm Andrew, the Vajon Mahale. Um, oh, I should where, go grab the new envelopes came in. I should go grab one while you tell oh, them where our Amon Khan Mahale is. Yeah, our, our Amon Khan Mahale is uh, he's still out. Um, he will be back soon. Um, but he, he took a, a move and uh, someone left their dream spike running. So he had to go the manual way. But he's getting situated in his new digs. And uh, yeah, he should be going. And you know what? You guys know how I know this is going to be a great night? For all those of you who are not patrons, you're missing out because the Patreon live chat is already popping off. We got some, some tainty bastards in there already. Already. Extensions of other channels. But um, <laughs> so we took the feedback <laughs> from. Uh, from the previous envelopes. Uh, I'm a really big fan of the mostly black with red lettering color scheme. Uh, and that would have been fine if I'd made the QR code red as well, but I didn't uh, and didn't really have a way to easily do it. So uh, we inverted the colors. So the new envelopes are all red with our logo and black lettering. Hold on, keep it up there. I'm gonna get a screenshot real quick so I can put it in for our patrons so they get to see it first. Okay, good. And then here is the back with the, if this thing will ever focus okay, on, okay. With the return Dude, shipping label, our letter and the QR code as well um, that you could actually see so that maybe your camera could actually see. Um, yeah. So hopefully that Dude, all love works that. out. Yeah, I like it too. I think it looks, it definitely looks a lot better. And it is nice that you can actually see the QR code. Again, the QR code. <laughs> yeah, there was a QR code all along. It was like an Easter egg, I guess. Uh, an unintentional <laughs> Easter egg. Um, yeah. I got my last one. Yeah, I know because uh, I failed. Uh, so the last stickers went in regular envelopes uh, like peasantry. Uh, because I didn't order new envelopes in enough time. Um, oh, there's still other stuff we got to do, Josh. Uh, remind me, Patreon stuff after after this. We got a couple things we actually need to talk about that I just remembered. Um, All right. Yeah. So new envelopes, good envelopes, hopefully good envelopes or whatever. Uh, and do not worry. Even though the uh, the little flap that seals it is that liquid or wetness or whatever activated fucking sticky <laughs> bullshit, um, I still will just be putting the BTP sticker on it for uh, sounds, I don't know. Let's let's claim COVID awareness. Activated. Yeah, yeah. Let's get your mom over here and just swipe and seal. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> did you spit or did you manage to swallow? Oh, I, I spit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know it's a good laugh when it starts pushing your fucking earbuds out. <laughs> Shit. Okay, so Andrew broke me. Oh god. Oh. 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 Okay. This oh, guy, I will this, say. Like I, said, I am. I am definitely proud of that one. <laughs> Okay, woo! We got a great episode for you tonight. (laughs) (coughs) Oh. Wow. Oh. Okay. I had to get up and go turn down the uh, turn down the AC. It was getting warm in here. Oh. It's getting warm in here. It's getting hot in here. I might take Uh, off. So yeah, in the future, the stickers will come. Uh, and these nice red envelopes where you can actually see everything uh, and the QR code is less of an Easter egg. Again, it just links to blacktowerpod.com, which is a fantastic site to go to. I do highly recommend it. There's definitely no bias there. I'm definitely not saying that because that's our website. I mean, I definitely am, but you know, I would say it even if I wasn't on the podcast, probably, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I know I would. Absolutely. Completely. Non-biased. Totally. <laughs> oh god <laughs> gonna survive there oh, okay i'm alive i'm alive okay um before we pop off with the, the the next best uh concentrated taint delivery andrew should we make sure that uh everyone's protected I think I want a new sticker. I want a new. Uh, I want a new swipe and seal sticker. <laughs> I don't know how you'd get that one done. And if we got I questions about, if we got questions about some of the ribbons we got done. I don't. I can't imagine a company agreeing to do swipe and seal stickers. Mm. No, but you know who does agree to do things? Me apparently through the mail. And more shoddy's here to tell you all about it. Welcome to the Black Tower, a Wheel of Time podcast. All right, let's check this one. Huh. This podcast will likely be spoiling books one through. Oh, what's this? An envelope addressed to me. No name, though. Let's see what's inside. Oh, my. This podcast will likely spoil all the books in the series, and apparently being a Patreon will expose you to information that should be left unseen. Protect yourself by pulling that spoiler condom all the way on. And I need a drink. That's way more of Andrew than I have ever wanted to see. Why would you braid it down there? Why would you not? The Volja. Oh, God. Okay, you made me laugh so I do hard. think it is. <clears throat> oh, no. Got my throat Did we fall. dislocate the solar plexus? My, my chest, yeah. I'm going to oh. give myself compressions while you, while you continue that thought. <laughs> Makes you feel a little better. I think I still have a rib that's slightly dislocated <laughs> from when I had food poisoning like eight fucking years ago. So... I, I sometimes feel your pain. Not at the moment, but many times Not I feel your pain. Uh, but oh. it is funny that, like, that was spoiler warning about envelopes, and we have new envelopes. They, I, that was not planned. Like, this spoiler warning was planned for this episode, like, before 2022 even ended, and it just worked out that way. Um, it must be a sign that this is a good episode. Either that or the envelopes are a good decision. Um, but was probably yeah. an even better decision is to actually talk about the topic of the episode instead of um, maintaining our frat boy status and rambling. Oh, that's right. We don't minutes. even talk about the Wheel of Time. 
No, we don't. We always, <laughs> when we do, we always agree on what we say. That's right. We never get into arguments at all. <clears throat> we never disagree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. So what tonight, tonight, okay. So tonight it's another metaphysics breakdown. Like, cause I know you all love him. I love, you love them. You love it when we just chew in and suck out the marrow of one of these little topics. And tonight's episode is no different. Tonight we're sucking out the marrow of the horn of Valir. For those of you uninitiated or unfamiliar, the horn of Valir is an object of the power it is believed to be a Tehran Griel, um, but it is not, uh, but, and, and its main purpose, its main function is to call back heroes of the horn to fight for the horn bearer, uh, specifically, hopefully, for the last battle. Yeah. Uh, the... I got completely distracted. What is going on? Like, this is the fourth time this has happened tonight. Uh, it happened in pre-recording. It happened here. Jeez. Oh, dude. Hey, <clears throat> Uh, So. <clears throat> um, well, I think, oh, just, okay. Just to kind of do this, I think we can break this down in a couple of different ways, right? Yeah. Because first off, <clears throat> is it a Terangrial or not? Right? I, I I would I would make the case that yes it is a Tirangreal. Um, it is one of those Tirangreal that you do not have to be a channeler to use. So it's something from the Age of Legends, purportedly. Um, <clears throat> I guess it doesn't really ever talk about the origin of the Horn of Valir. What um, if the Horn of Valir is like? Like it's ancient. older than the Age of Legends. <clears throat> How much older, though? Like, is it no, just one no of those idea. things that's just been around forever? Uh, seems though. Um, <clears throat> I mean, so yeah. Let's let's talk about like the the nature of what it physically like is. Um, thinking of it of a Terra girl is not altogether incorrect. Um, it does serve a particular special singular purpose. Um, it does not require a channeler to use, which we've seen in Terangrial before. Um, and it's kind of one of the main features and namesakes of Terangrial, giving an ability to use a channeler-like power without being able to channel uh, one's self. Um, but we don't know who made it. Uh, Robert Jordan confirmed in one of his blogs from October 4, 2005, that it was made by mortals, not gods or the creator or, or anything right. like that, that it was made by people. Um, <laughs> and uh, so physically, it's a plain curled uh, golden horn. Think something similar to a French horn without the middle <laughs> piece with all the uh, plungers, I guess, for the tone. Um, I always, I always think of like, like the Christmas horn. You know what I mean? It's like a horn oh, that like yeah. goes out 
and then comes back again. It's got one loop, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, fair. I mean, some of the art shows it having uh, two to two and a half loops. Um, It just kind of depends. And then the Um, show, they had. I think that was what the kind of horn it was as well. uh, We I don't even remember seeing it in the show to be honest with you. Oh, you know what? They just showed the case. They didn't actually show the horn itself. Um, which i also like a, looking at this today realized that the show changed that part slightly less than i initially thought they did because i forgot all about the fact of it being in the fall and storeroom when it was stolen so it it quasi combines yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't excuse the, the what the eye of the world the the fucking pit of the world uh, it's not even the eye of the world it's fucking pit it's not pit it, the yeah there was nothing there anyway um but it is it is believed to be older than the Age of Legends, and at some point in my reading, I would like to think that I'll be able to tell you more to that effect. I I don't know that I will or won't. Um. So, but it is inscribed with uh, with the old tongue. So it's got silver script uh, script inlaid around its mouth, um, which I'm not familiar with the parts of a horn. I believe is the actual sound projection part considering the scripts that are there doesn't seem like it's enough to be on the mouth so the end where the sound comes out is the bell of the horn oh. and the mouthpiece is the small side where you actually so is it into. really just like is it just really tiny around the mouthpiece or is it like just kind of along the, i don't know so there's a specific shape so like i, I played trombone in junior high had oh. aspirations of being in a ska band and i'm proud of that mm-hmm. But basically you get the small the small piece on the end is actually a mouthpiece. And it's so when you like purse your lips and blow oh, into okay. the like that, you blow into it. <clears throat> I found it, my that, answer. That vibration goes through the, the piping and comes out the bell and it it blasts out in a clear sound. I found my answer. Uh so uh tarvalon.net, if you're listening. I uh, need to go back to the, the general section of your Horn of Valir entry. Um, and instead of it just being inlaid around the mouth, it is the mouth of the bell, um, which would be yes. kind of where the, the bell starts to flare out and open up. So it's there. Um, helpful edits, not criticizing. I'm really thankful that anybody has this <laughs> shit up there. Um, it is inscribed with, uh, I'm not even going to try to read it in old tongue, Josh, you're better at that than I am. Yeah. Um, which, I, I mean, obviously, having finished the series, it becomes very interesting that it has Moradin in it. Um, which is, that is the actual capital M. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always kind of, at least kind of interesting to me. I thought that it might would have like a bigger connection or impact um do you know when it did do you know what's interesting about that though sorry cutting in again you're fine <clears throat> moradin being capitalized and literally translating into like death or the grave or whatever could that literally be almost referring to death as a pronoun not yeah a pronoun like as a name like as a name like another name for Shaitan or the Dark One or something like that, saying that whoever is bound to this horn is not because because what are they what do the Forsaken always say? Whoever dies, the Dark One can just claim their soul, <clears throat> yeah. right? 
And we don't know how much truth there is to that or how much of that is a lie, but we do know that the dark one cannot touch the souls of the heroes tied to the horn of Valir. Could be. So I wonder um, if I wonder if that's an interesting well, that's an interesting little thing. Yeah. Um, so as to the uh, age of of the horn, thanks for shotty for posting this in the live chat. Uh, from April 20th, 2004, there was a tour questions of the week part one. Um, and I believe this, this was done in a format where it could be copied and retold verbatim. The question was, was the Horn of Valir known and used in the Age of Legends or did it only appear in the Third Age? Robert Jordan stated that it was known in the Age of Legends, however, uh, and that it was an artifact of an earlier age. However, it was never used because there was no need in the Age of Legends. There was no... Um, yeah. yeah, there was there was no need for it. Um, but in part, it wasn't used because there wasn't, uh, so yeah, it wasn't a need, but it was also because it could, uh, what it could do is considered a sort of myth by most people in, the, in that age. Uh, it says, no one who is serious spends time trying to test whether a myth might be real. Um, seen anybody sacrificing a white bull to Jupiter lately was his comparison. Uh, and once the dark one touched the world before the war of shadow actually began the horn was among the items lost and thought destroyed in the first rush of mob violence terrorism and the like it wasn't available then you know it's interesting though because that is one of the things because we just talked about Luz theron and him trying to figure out how things work in the war of power <clears throat> and how they nearly got overwhelmed, one would think that if they had the Horn of Valir accessible to them, they would have tried to use that. Did they try to use that and it still didn't work? Like... <clears throat> oh, okay. Freaking more shoddy dropping all kinds of knowledge. So about Moradin. Lowercase means grave or tomb, but capitalized, it means the grave, uh, which is also a stand-in for death. It is an intended to be... Uh, a language of subtlety where the meanings of words can change to a great extent according to context. Remember Moraine's comments on the difficulty of translation. Um, <clears throat> so very fair point. Um, <coughs> so anyway, the old tongue on, uh, on the Horn of Valir uh, is widely accepted as translating into the grave or death is no bar to my call. It's always some version of the two. Either the grave is no bar to my call or death is no bar to my call. Um, whichever way uh, you right. kind of choose to go with it. Um, uh, I don't even know how to say that. Gallerhorn? I know I'm Gallerhorn. Nordic. Yeah. Um, which is one of the uh, real, world, real world parallels for uh, the Horn of Yeah, it, which, I mean, this the, uh, the horn is kind of a common theme and the, the mythology as oh, well yeah. oh. you've got you've got the horn the geller horn which i just posted the link in the page in the live chat and that's the horn of heimdall which is supposed to signify uh ragnarok what else does that sound like it sounds like the horn of the archangel michael which is supposed to sound uh you know the second coming and the vessel of fire opened out onto the earth um there's the a lot of huh the what isn't that in that in the Archangel Michael when he blows his horn? 
Talking about the one that signals resurrection. It's like the end of the world, I thought. Yeah, well, is yeah, it Gabriel? It's part, it's part of, yeah, it's, it's it the horn of Gabriel. The horn of Gabriel, Gabriel sorry. Uh, signals the resurrection, <laughs> which occurs <laughs> at the end of the world associated with the second coming. Right, right. So same time frame, same idea, but more more directly linked to what the horn of Valir does. <clears throat> So th this could be not only is it a cool like storytelling mechanism but it could be one of the many things that uh michael livingston pointed out it could just be one of the many things that robert jordan did that he liked as a recurring theme throughout the different stories that humans have and i'm not saying stories as in they're not true like obviously i understand that people's People have faith rooted in some of these things. I say I don't say stories insultingly. I say stories as in we're talking about them from the story perspective. Um, <clears throat> but the the story of a horn heralding a return or heralding the end or heralding some kind of a iconology like that. That's a very common thing. And I think this is one of those things that Robert Jordan was like, you know what, we're going to put that in there because he really liked to recycle some of those stories as well. And um, I thought it, I I mean, it fits really, really well. Yeah. I mean, you can see like uh, <coughs> uh, Nordic Mythos had a, an incredible impact on Robert Jordan's writing. Um, and I don't know too many people that can sit down and, and read or watch movies or documentaries on uh, Nordic Mythos and not be entranced. Because generally, uh, these yes. kind of mythos that just like with Sparta, these mythos that surround um, the more thought of uh, violent or warfaring uh, peoples of, of history uh, seem to gather a lot of attention. Um, right. You know, most people aren't really sitting there worrying too much about, you know, Athens turned peaceful. Like, oh yeah, birthplace of democracy and blah, blah, blah. Okay, tell me more about their fight with Sparta and how Sparta like won, then lost, and then lost, and then won, and then lost, well, and, won, and, and lost. Yeah, and Sparta lost because of economics. They, they simply could not support their own need because everybody in the everybody in the city was essentially active duty military. And that was their job. That's all they did. And eventually the the helot population that was supporting the Spartan citizens physically could not farm enough food. Or make enough money or whatever the case may be so they they it's it's an example of an age of empires who put all of their experience points in military <laughs> i mean there, there's also the myth that like sparta was this i mean it was a very large uh area of the, the greek peninsula um <clears throat> but that like they had so many people and that oh you know like 90 percent of them were soldiers they really weren't it was a very small portion of the uh of the uh, the Spartan military that was actually soldiers that were actually part of the hoplite, um, the remainder right. being uh, either captured and forced into soldierdom uh, style servitude, or yeah. allies or whatever. It was it was a they're, lot more. They were more like squires, yeah. yeah. They trained with, um, but they were not granted the title of Spartan knight. Yeah, I mean, so they were and also used mercenaries uh, for a vast majority of their conflicts. So, um, but that doesn't make as good of a movie, and I'm pretty sure Gerald Butler wasn't going to work as hard as he did on those abs for the story of Spartan mercenaries. 
versus oh, the yeah, yeah, last stand at the Marvel League. That that was another ticket movie. I loved the movie. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, guys, the they went into garbage. battle in full armor. They the did not go garbage. into battle. Another with a helmet. Another example of of why like a sequel is so often bad. <laughs> um, anyway, um, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, back to the <laughs> Horn of Valir. Um. So. The nature, the nature of the horn of Valir, um, the way it works, and and everything is very reminiscent of a Terran Grail, and it seems like the only thing that really potentially prevents us or anyone from calling it a Terran Grail is the fact that it is from an earlier age, before the known creation of Terran Grail. Um, the, the most historical record we have is the discovery of how to create Tarangaral during the Age of Legends. Prior to the Age of Legends was our times. And unless they're using holograms and special effects, I ain't seen nobody blow no horn and bring people back from the dead. Um, you know, on uh, in real life, I've seen it plenty of times on screen. Well, sometimes it's not a horn. Sometimes, you know, you put a, the pieces of a sword back together and somehow magically it's physically sound as a blade again uh but it summons all these people back from the day hey, the elves um, have some weird techniques man yeah i mean we humans can't comprehend yeah um so there's nothing saying that it, it isn't a terran girl but given the limited history you know of where terran girl were conceptualized and created we don't know uh so generally it's just referred to as a powerful artifact as a relic the same thing is going to happen for all the Angriol, Serangriol, Terangriol that are found uh, eventually in the future. Um, and it, it could be any of those. Um, interesting fact, the interesting part of that is because it was confirmed by Robert Jordan to have been created by a mortal with the cyclical nature of time, there has to come a point where the Horn of Valir is destroyed so that it can then be created again. Um, so it is a uh, like many other Angra, important to note that it is not impervious. Yeah. Um, but I do challenge calling it a Terra Angriol. Simply because of the scope of its ability. So It'd be like a Terra Song Angriol. I, I would say. I would say that there are plenty of points that make it a Terangriel. Okay, um, you can you can look at it and say, yeah, this and this and this this. The one thing that I will say that I think sets it apart from all other Terangriels, and that would make me question whether or not it is a Terangriel, is the fact that no other. Granted, we don't have a vast catalog. Of Terangreal, um, but we, the, according to the Terangreal that we've come across, there is not another single Terangreal that reaches into another world, pulls those things back into this world while preserving their initial <clears throat> uh, traits, their own unique traits and then allows them to go back into the world and then only allows one that one person to utilize that Terangriel for the rest of their life. 
Because as we know, when someone blows the horn of Belair, it is tied to them until they die. No that other Teron Griot. Not the rest of their life, but until they die. It's a very important distinction. It is a very important distinction. But but the point being, Teron Griot don't work like that. Teron Griot don't imprint themselves upon people. Or if they do, that's the only one that does. Hmm. I mean, will we, will we count the... Um... Oh, what was it like the the hedgehog? No, because it wasn't linked just to one. Anyone, person. anyone can be succumb to the to the hedgehog. Yeah. Take the oath rod, for instance. You can bind someone with an oath rod and make them do or not do something, but that oath rod will still work for every other person you bind. But the horn of a <laughs> the person soul bind. If I'm the person directing the weaves and binding someone with the oath rod, I can hand it to someone else and they can bind someone else. It's not, it is not imprinted to one person after it is uh, given to them to use one yeah. time. Also, and I'm just going to throw this one last point out, and I'm jumping straight to the end where Matt Cawthon looks at the heroes of the horn and goes, Am I one of you? And they go, ha, 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 ha. no, gambler, you're not. It's a choice. So becoming a hero of the horn at some point in time, you are given a choice. Now, I don't know how you're given a choice. Does the horn appear to you as Mjolnir and say, you have been found worthy. Would you like to join me on my quest for Camelot? I don't know. Is there an entity? Does the creator come to you and say would you like to be a hero of the Horn of Valyria? You have proven yourself to be worthy. We don't know how that happens and that's, that's I think would be a pretty persuasive statement to say that it is not a Terangriel that it is something else. It is, it, is, it is a unique a truly unique item. Yeah. Um Essentially, I saw in the live chat there was a point made about uh, just like how Mogidian pushes Brigida out of Teleron Riyadh. Um, is it possible that the horn was conceptualized and made in Teleron Riyadh and pushed out into the world? I like the idea, except for the problem of natural of uh, how Brigida naturally degrades um, over time. When she is unnaturally pulled out of Teleron Riyadh, she degrades over time. Her memories start to fade. She starts to show signs of like almost being ill. Um, like, like she is physically, maybe not visually, but uh, tangibly aging um, and becoming more and more fragile. Um, you kind of see this thing, this kind of trope in uh, interdimensional travel movies where somebody from another dimension goes into another dimension where they have a person already exists. Right. Um, and them being around each other causes issues or because their matter doesn't belong in that universe they start to slowly die and degrade over time um, so I don't unless it takes so long for that to happen that that's what causes the horn to disappear and then be remade that would interesting if that is the though. case then it puts the horn of Valir decidedly in the scope of Sa'angriol and more powerful than Kalandor or the, the fucking staff or Voro Sangreal, like decidedly. 
one one thing though that I just kind of connected the dots on. Brigida is bound to the horn. When she is removed from the horn's influence, protection, connection, whatever that relationship is, when she's removed from that free education connection, she is no longer privy to the benefits of that connection, which means she loses, uh, you know, memories from her past lives because your brain can't retain it all. Um, you talk about, you know, memories from a thousand different lives. Um, there's, there's a lot of skills, experiences, a lot of things that she's learned over the thousands and thousands of lifetimes that she begins to lose. Um, <clears throat> what if the hero of the horns connection is something that is an emulation of the dark one's connection to the forsaken? Oh, you mean like a, like a connection, a, a chosen style connection to the creator? Some, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, because that would make sense, right? You have to choose it, which the Forsaken chose it, declared it publicly, blah, blah, blah. They chose mm. to be Forsaken and then enter into the Dark One's protection, connection, whatever. Protection connection. Heroes of the Horn that would have been found. Two Trojans together. Heroes of the Horn would have been found worthy of that, connected to the Horn, but we've seen in we've seen both sides be disconnected. Now, Asmodian, we don't really get a lot of information from him about what it's like to be severed from the Dark One's protection. All we really get from him is, yeah, now I'm subject to the taint as well, and I will go mad because I no longer have the Dark One's protection in that area. But we do see Agenor at the Eye of the World, who once Rand severs that connection, almost immediately decays. And they have, they're, they're able to just blast him because he immediately loses a lot of the protections that he appreciated yeah. and enjoyed. I mean, it would make sense that it is similar to but on the opposite side of the i guess moral spectrum or whatever uh from the chosen because uh, it would fit the theme of balance right if yeah. the dark one is able to have these champions of of the shadow that can be corrupted and selected um then there should be a way for the light to do it um i, I mean the, uh, the only potential question i could see in that is uh the soul of the dragon and uh well not even arguably but in the same hand uh the soul of amara su um which i will still never get over the tongue-in-cheek hilarity of naming the female counterpart to the dragon a mary sue um <laughs> like it's it's equally hilarious and equally fucking horrible um right but uh, but you see it so many times um where you just carbon copy place because god forbid somebody come up with a, a uniquely new uh very strong female uh lead um the question then becomes because those souls are treated completely separately to the horn of valir so they get like special treatment uh from the light and part of the whole perception of why the fight for the side of the light is so like turbulous or yeah so turbulous turbulous whatever um Turbulent. is that they're 
they're always greatly outnumbered because evil is so alluring and going to the to the good side or the light side is so hard. You know, this kind of uh, Christian ideology of narrow is the path and straight is the way kind of thing. Um, but but it would fit the balance thing, except for how heavily skewed the numbers are. But there's also the massive uh, kind of conditional thing for the heroes of the horn that some guy or somebody fighting for the light has to find it, blow it, and then be there every time it's needed. Um, and then hope that if they really need it, that the dragon banner isn't flying somewhere within whatever the sensory range of the heroes is. Um, which is uh, another thing I saw in the live chat where uh, at Falma, uh, them needing the dragon banner to fight where they didn't need it at Memory of Light, they didn't need the dragon banner to fight at uh, Falma because it was present. It like its status over was an override to the inherent programming of the Horn of Valir, where normally they strictly and only obey the Horn Sounder, but the Dragon Banner is leagues above the Horn of Valir apparently, or is a Tyrone Grial of sorts built purposely for this to force the heroes of the Horn, no matter what, to fight for the dragon. Um, that when that banner is flying, they are obligated to follow it instead of the horn sounder, which is why Matt gets snubbed in what should be his premier role as a general, uh, which is kind of funny considering how much of a very effective and powerful general he becomes later on, unknowingly separated from the horn. Again, I, I would say this is another argument against the horn being a Tirangriol, because now not only do we have, you know, uh, conditional functionality but along with the conditional functionality we have conditional obedience and we we even learn that even if, if a dark friend were to blow the horn of valir they couldn't command i think it's because they couldn't that's what command. we're told yeah that's what we're told that is what the rumor says that is what legend says does Arthur hawkwing say that i, I think hawkwing says that they couldn't fight against the banner. So like if, if, if Moradin blew the horn of Valir and said, look, there's the dragon, go kill him. And Rand rode onto the battlefield with the, with the dragon banner, they'd be like, mm, fuck you, dummy. All right, so during the last battle, Arthur Hawkwing states that the heroes of the horn fight of their own free will and serve the light. And that if a servant of the shadow blew the horn, the heroes could refuse to serve him. Yes. So it's, they have a choice. Yes. Uh, it is also revealed that the heroes of the horn are not invincible and that battle damage could force them back into the world of dreams to heal. Um, oh. So, yeah. To add uh, in heroes of the Nordic horn mythology, are great heroes. There's someone to fight for the light. So, yeah. To add into Nordic mythology, warriors who are valiant, brave, and die honorably in battle with a sword in their hand are selected by the Valkyrie to join Odin in the halls of Valhalla, right? Valhalla to is... then ultimately be summoned back by Heimdall. Valhalla is feasting... And there's, and um, there's Oliver in the, uh, in the Nordic legend, too. It's about the exact mm -hmm. same way, O-L-V-E-R. Yes. So, these heroes, when they're summoned by the horn, they fight. If they die, they just go back to Teleron Riyadh. 
They just go back to literal feasting hall. You ever played League of Legends and died and you just go back to respawn? (laughs) Just after Hawkwing watching a cooldown timer buying new gear and buffs? Uh, I reached (laughs) level 3037. All right. Right, though? But, so, so you've got conditional, you've got unconditional summoning. Where's the, the thing? Horn? No, where, you've even got conditional summoning. Where, where's the query filtered for who gets? Here, here's the thing. What anchors them to the horn? Is it the horn itself? Is it? I mean, so they have to be anchored to the horn itself through some mechanism, some mechanism that is powerful enough, which isn't unheard of because we do have the dream Terangriel, but powerful enough to transcend literal dimensions right Uh, right so this is an incredibly powerful link it has to be um well a fairly powerful because we've seen people you know they can actually because it is the closest dimension to uh real world and it's also uh teleron riad is the place where all possibilities converge which is how teleron works by the way if anybody didn't know it's also from what we understand an eternal link because while it is a choice to become a hero of the horn, and given how much choice is involved in this whole thing, we can deduce or we can surmise that maybe once you're done being a hero, you can just go home. But at the same time, we don't know. So there's a lot of choice tied in, and it's an eternal connection. That's got to be something of tremendous power. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but here's the thing, because Autogamy does say, like, oh, you know, hey, you know, it is a, you know, gambler, it is a choice, which um, it, it is interesting. Like, obviously, whenever uh, Ultra Hawkwing first speaks to Matt, he calls him Hornblower or Horn Sound. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, in the last battle, he calls him Gambler. Um, but there ha- he says that, you know, it is a choice. But, you know, how many people have died in battle? How many people died in Blood Snow thinking they were fighting the noble good fight against IL, saying, like, I fought the good fight. I'll come back as a hero of the horn and never did. Yeah. So there has, there has to be a filter there. So yep. is, the, is the Horn of Valir so incredibly powerful and so incredibly focused in its goal? The no, Rob. Oh, no, no, they did not. Imagine dying valiantly in battle against IL only to come back as Gawain. Uh, uh, fucking hit the restart button. Respawn, like respawn. Us. Oh, respawn, God. Respawn. But I mean, like, so how is it, is it so incredibly powerful that the horn itself <laughs> is the anchor, is the query system, it is the filter for who is even eligible and then, like, it's like freaking Sword Art Online. You log in to get a prompt. You are eligible for a horn, a hero of the horn. Do you accept? Does it pop up like a side quest in a VR MMO? Well, that was be great insight, Andrew. Well said. Yes, totally. <laughs> I mean, so, so that is the question, right? The, the only thing that we have as a link to explore is the horn itself. Right. So, which raises its own question. Is the horn that powerful that it is the end all front to back in 
computer program an item that both anchors everybody to itself, that provides that link, that provides that sustenance in Teleron Riyadh, that filters who is even eligible to become a hero of the horn, and then logs the choices of them for who says yes or no. And if it is, then because Robert Jordan, again, like we said earlier, like he said, like in 2004, uh, we said a little bit in the live chat, if the horn was created by mortals and not gods, that means it was created within inside the scope of space-time, which meaning it had to have a beginning, which in a cyclical nature of time means it must also have an end to have a new beginning. So God. is there a time where there are no heroes of the horn because the horn does not exist anymore? That would, oh, oh, that would also suggest thousands of years, well, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years after the horn was initially created for whatever this weights and measures entity is to judge the valor of different souls or since these souls are just being recycled when the horn is destroyed and you're gonna talk go to me like that time, you fucking recycled soul and then it comes <laughs> that's a sick burn bro <laughs> but then when they create the horn for the first time again quote unquote do all those souls automatically just be like oh hell yeah we're back bitch oh, okay so morshadi did post uh something this is from oh, november yeah. 11th 2000 barnes and noble chat with robert jordan the question was asked is basically uh, aside from the heroes of the horn walking around in the world of dreams is there any kind of afterlife in will of time do the heroes get a choice when they are linked to the horn can they retire or take ordinary life sabbaticals? Robert Jordan's answer. I mean, I think the wording is very, very important here, just like I, I do all the time. It's fucking nature of the beast, I guess. Well, An answer to the first like question, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, there is an ordinary afterlife in the Wheel of Time. Answer to the second, no. You cannot decide not to be a hero linked to the wheel. So the, the not is all caps. So like Josh, you were mentioning earlier, you can decide to be a hero. But once you decide to be a hero, it's a lifetime or the, eternity appointment. It's but I think it's commitment. Yeah. But I think maybe the better part of this quote that, uh, that I like, um, and Borshadi, again, mentioned as well, is it kind of answers what is the anchor point for the heroes of the horn? And the anchor point is the wheel. So, so when the so presumably when the uh, horn is created, you can I have created the horn of Belir. I can and have a thousand heroes descend upon me. Wait, sorry, one more time. So so I am I am a, a horn smith, okay? I create horns. I build brass instruments because i'm a ska enthusiast and i can channel and i got a full circle of sidine and sidar and we're all doing our thing and having a great time and we build this horn of valir and then i blow it that night 
and then a mist rises and a thousand souls come out ready to fight. Or mm -hmm. if I create the Horn of Valir and I blow it that night, does nothing happen? Which one? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you blow the horn and nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so the interesting part too is like the summoning of the heroes is is designed as a temporary thing. It's not, it's not like you blow the horn, they come out and they just walk around until they all like, you know, get you know get to retirement age and die of natural causes again. You don't actually pull them back into right. the waking world. Right. Um, no, they are not. They're they're like half in, half out kind of a thing. Yeah. And I mean, and, and one of the things is is like these individuals. Uh, one of the things was mentioned in that question. You know, can they choose ordinary life sabbaticals? We know from uh, from uh, Brigida and uh, uh, Ugly Dude. What's his name? Guido with Kane. A G. Yeah, Guido Kane. Um, that they're not exempt Who's not from all the normal. Over. Yeah. Um, they're probably related somewhere along the line, but who knows? Um, I, I think I still I still stand by my theory that Oliver is cute as shit. And Matt's just super jealous that he pulls all kinds of ladies. And Matt's like, why? Look at him. He's he's ugly. He's an ugly little shit. Could be. Um that uh that uh, Brigida and Godel King, uh they get spun back out into into normal lives. And if if all these heroes are gonna have memories from thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. They have to be able to be spun out again as their soul is needed um, uh, to walk the the living world as you know a flesh and blood person rather than kind of observe okay. it to some degree from the outside. Let, let's ask this though. Okay. And yes. Apparently, okay. at some point in the future, Ahsoka Tano is Brigida. I'm bringing two points. I know I did that wrong. Don't judge me. I don't care. In the live chat earlier, Morshadi was talking about that souls are spun out to serve a specific purpose by the wheel. We also have confirmation that if Arter Hawkwing as a soul has been spun out into the world and is living a common life as a commoner and the Horn of Valir blows, Arter Hawkwing will not be taken from his life as a commoner to fight on the fields of Marilor, right? Yeah. So what if the connection, what if the relationship or connection is not to the horn, but it's a commitment made to the creator and the creator says, okay, to take some IT into this, puts them into a different, you know, active directory group and says you have these permissions and so that it doesn't matter if the horn of valir exists or not you still got 3000 heroes of the horn so at some point in time during the great turning of the wheel of time someone maybe someone who's a dreamwalker they meet one of these heroes of the horn which 
we know that the heroes of the horn are not supposed to interact with mortals or people who are still alive, but we know it happens. So maybe this person gets the inspiration because they're supposed to get the inspiration to create the horn of Valir, which can then call all those people who have made the commitment to be a hero of the horn to the creator or to the wheel or to whatever that is and the horn isn't what everything's bound to the horn is merely a a key it's an access key it's a ch- yeah. it's the fucking chonical access key into the heroes bound to the wheel yes that makes that makes a lot of sense because I, w- I was going to get into that because reading the answer again which is funny because I'm like, yeah, you know, wording is important. And then I skip over some of the way that Robert Jordan's answer was worded. <laughs> not a hero linked to the horn or to the wheel, rather. So yeah. not a hero of the wheel, not a hero of the horn, a hero linked to the wheel. So there could be this pool of heroes that are linked to the wheel. That would explain how you can have a continuously important soul reborn um, for specific purposes like the dragon's soul like Amarasu, um, like presumably the soul that keeps being reborn in the Gen IL that leads to the creator's uh, pseudo-avatar like Nakomi. Um, see, some of you thought maybe I didn't know anything from Origins, hey. and I do. I still haven't read it, but I know a few things. Um, thanks, Josh, for the spark notes, by the way. Um, <laughs> so I actually really like that idea, and it, it, it brings the Horn of Valir's power scaling way back into the realm of possibility with the way back into reality yeah yeah that it is just an access key into this these pool of souls for the side of the light um and it would make sense too then because you could put the limiters on who could use it on the horn itself because think about it there's nothing expressly about the soul itself that is shielded and protected. Otherwise, Mogidian, as a Forsaken, could not have forced Brigida out of Teleron Riyadh. If she was protected so thoroughly by the Creator and the Side of Light, Brigida could not have, uh, Mogidian could not have forced her out if their souls could not just purely just not be affected by the shadow. And it also explains why someone from the shadow could potentially blow the horn but then the heroes could just choose to ignore them. So the souls themselves aren't immune from the call. So it seems like, honestly, the the whole thing of like, oh, this thing is useless to the shadow is a misnomer. Because if you become a hero linked to the wheel, you're generally, like, you're going to be on the side of light. You're going to be on the side of good. You're going to fight for the quote-unquote good things. Presumably. Whenever whenever asshole McGee McDarkside pops up and says, hey, come out here and slaughter this village for me, and Ultra Hawkman goes, you know, not only go fuck yourself, but I'm going to take justice here and fuck you with it through the stomach time and time again. Can they attack the horn sounder, though? I mean, nothing says it can't. I think I think it's implied that they, they can. Ign- I think it's said that they can ignore. I don't think they can. Okay, fine. His lieutenants and generals and the rest of his army. But <laughs> you, you get what I mean. I mean, um, 
No, but there's, there's nothing, there's nothing, nothing to stops like, them from popping up and actively working to counter their plans if they're like summoned by, you know, someone with with evil intentions or or whatever the case is. Um. So I mean, yeah, fair point. I don't think they can actually attack the horn sound, so that's fair. Uh, but everybody else around him is fair game, I guess. Yeah, um, no, it, it's it's an interesting. Well, that's an interesting uh, aspect. I don't know because it's weird because they're also supposed to be bound to follow the the orders of Horn Sound. Which, but that's what I'm saying. But they like, can decide I, not to if if they're part of the shadows. I, I feel like I feel like it's one of those like. It's a choice that's so obvious it's not really a choice. POV. I am a hero of the horn. Some asshole blows the horn. I hear the horn. I look down and I see it's an asshole who is a dark friend. And I go, mm -hmm. ah, no. Because I know that if I go down and answer the call of the horn, I will then be bound to follow the order. Unless the dragon banner is present. So maybe I could look and see, okay, is the dragon banner anywhere? No? Okay, cool. I'm not going to do that. Because if the dragon banner is present, they can do whatever the hell they want. Well, no, they I mean, can't necessarily do whatever the hell they want. But they can ignore the orders of the horn sounder for the one who rides underneath the dragon banner, if I understand that correctly. I mean, I, I think we're overstating their obligation to the horn blower or horn sound or horn blower well actually fucking they use both words um i i kind of other than a use case where the horn binds itself to whoever used it i think that it doesn't bind the hero summoned to the person that used it it's again, they have free will choice. Yeah, yeah, they're not. So they, they're they can't. Not. They can't have free will choice only when it serves the light. They either have free will choice or they don't have free will choice. It's not a either or because as soon as you limit free will choice, it is no longer it, free will choice. If you limit free will choice in any way, it is no longer free will choice. Period. End of yeah. story. Like, I know yeah. people will take that as an extremist statement, but that but is. Well, it's it's, it's not either it's just, or. It's pure reality. Free will yeah. means, uh, like, shield it. Well, not shield it from, but devoid of outside forcible influence. Right. Free will means you made this decision purely of your own accord, without anybody outside telling you that you have to make this choice or anything forcing you to make this choice. You can be influenced, right. but you can't be forced to make that my, decision. My favorite thing was when you know, as a a great example of this, as a kid. What you know? What was it? You had twenty bucks. Doesn't matter how. Yeah, maybe you mowed a lawn. Maybe you found twenty bucks on the street. Doesn't matter. But as a kid, you have twenty bucks, and what do you do? You run home and you say, "Mom, mom, look, I got twenty bucks." And she goes, she "Oh, says, good Ooh, job, rent. Thanks." <laughs> we're gonna di we're dismissing that for a moment. You go, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy $20 worth of candy. And what does she say? No. You do not have free choice with that 20 bucks. 
I don't well, you care do, how but you then slice. she's got free choice to deliver that ass. With. Hey, but if you call home to mom and you say, look, I got 20 bucks. And she goes, cool. You can do whatever the hell you want with it. And you go, cool. I'm going to buy a dime bag. And she says, cool. You can do whatever the hell you want with it. Daryl, That's free choice. It doesn't matter if the choice you make is a bad choice. Because part of the whole freedom of choice thing is freedom to make bad choices as well as freedom to make good choices. So oh, I guess okay. ultimately... What's that? Sorry. Uh, so more shoddy. Uh, doing fact checker Mahale shit posted another another thing. Um, so this is a question, a Q&A with Brandon and Maria. Um, and somebody named Therese asked, uh, I'm guessing you're aware that Robert Jordan told a couple of fans that the heroes had to follow the horn no matter who blew it and that if the shadow blew the horn, there would be some kind of rift in the pattern. What's the story there? Brandon goes on, and I'm going to try to paraphrase some of this. Um, if you're listening live, then obviously you can look at the live chat and see what Morshadi posted. If you're not, then this is a good reason to join the live chat and listen live. I was, I was about to say, um, also, uh, one of the benefits of being a patron is this is only accessible in our patron-only channel. So Yeah. The expertise of Morshadi, the, the fact checker Mahale, only accessible in Patreon or wherever else. <laughs> does, that make, does that make the factor, fact checker Mahale one of our patron benefits? Yeah, can we can we extort you for money? Uh, probably not. Probably shouldn't actually go on the episode. That's that's probably a big no no. I'm pretty sure YouTube will hear that and be like, no <laughs> worry, I'll edit that out. Yeah, it'd be a fucking Ashton Kutcher will show, show up at the door being like, hey, I want to talk to you. <laughs> um, anyway, Brandon answers that uh, interesting one for a multitude of reasons uh, that he worked largely under the assumption that whoever blew the horn would control the heroes. Um, and so he wrote several sequences like that, where the, the horn were, if the horn were captured, things would go very poorly for the light. Uh, he was then quite surprised when Harriet wrote back to him on the manuscript, quite interjectedly crossing out lines and explaining that the heroes could not, could not ever follow the shadow, uh, called and asked for confirmation, clarification, pointing out, uh, seemed otherwise from the text, from the fandom interpretation that this is one of uh of jim who if you don't know that's the actual first name for robert jordan um one of his ruses that the characters in the book were wrong and repeating bad information we've seen this time and time again uh, it's that. just like watching uh pick a news network um and that jim <laughs> had been very clear with harriet that that was not the case that it could only uh guess that these reports in the fandom were cases where people asked him questions he could eye to die his way out of, and something got muddled in translation and communication. Uh, there was a follow-up with uh, Harriet and Maria, or he suggested following up with Harriet and Maria on this one. Maria says that she can't really add anything there. Um, she thought she was led to believe, as opposed to coming up with herself, that heroes really wouldn't follow the horn if it were blown by Team Dark. Uh, but I cannot swear to that. I was unaware of the rift answer. Of course, it's possible that the heroes themselves don't know the correct answer. They're heroes after all. And unless there's some hero orientation meeting where they are filled in on the details, they may just assume that they're always going to be heroes as in champions of goodness and the light. Um, oh. And I will tell you, like after meeting Harriet in person uh, a couple of times now and being able to remember most of it, 
Um, that definitely sounds like Wait. a Maria answer for sure. Uh, okay, after meeting Maria, did I say Harriet? I meant Maria. You did. I was just about to say, have you met Harriet? No, well, I'm I'm speaking it into the universe so that I get to meet Harriet. One of these days, it'll happen. One of these sir. days. Um, also, having met Maria, I will say, um, just what an absolute peach of a woman that is. And I don't mean that uh, sarcastically at all. She's, she is a lovely human, an absolutely amazing person. Um, and she will be at WatCon. Yeah, that is confirmed. So go to WatCon and meet Maria. Um, I was going to say something, but, but I don't know if I'm actually allowed to. Real show. quick, tangent, real quick. Last WatCon, which is the le premier WatCon. I call um, it my my Rona Rumble. <laughs> she, to be clear, I did not get the Rona from WatCon. I got it from the air travel or my job yes. prior to travel. So. At, Maria... Uh, when they reached out to her to say, hey, we're doing WatCon, um, or, or did they reach out to her or did she just get wind of it? I can't WatCon? remember. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much I'm actually allowed to say about how that transpired. Don't, I will say, do not I will say there yourself. was nothing other than reassuring that she was more than welcome and we'd love to have her there. WatCon staff, planners, whatever, officially did nothing Nothing special happened. No strings were pulled. Nothing like that to get Maria to come to WatCon. Right. She was heavily. In, yeah. Yeah. But so, she, you know, she, she asked and everything and was reassured that she was more than welcome and that we'd love to have her there. Um, and I, sure. I think, I think she ended up, I like actually attempting to purchase a ticket. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken. That I don't, I don't know the specifics of. I, I, I Maybe maybe I'm misremembering, but I I heard, and maybe this is rumored that I'm perpetuating. Anyway, I heard that she was like, uh, actually, it sounds like a lot of fun. I'd like to go. How much is the ticket? And then Nabliss, in his incredible wisdom, was like, uh, 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 Maria need not pay to attend. And she showed up, and one would think that someone like that would be like, oh, hey, what's up? I'm Maria. I'm here. It's cool. No, Maria worked volunteer shifts. Oh, she did. Listen she to what I just at said. The check-in desk. Listen For, to what I like, just said. What, an hour? Two hours? Volunteer shifts. Plural. She spent, because if there's one thing about this fandom that is just amazing, it is how much when we get to the levels of Alan and Maria and Harriet all the way down to the plebes like us, they have an equal stake and an equal passion in making sure that the love for the wheel of time never dies. Oh, dude. And, I, so when I saw her standing there, I thought she was just like looking or waiting for something. So I walked to her and I was like, you know, Hey, are you, are you looking for something or, or whatever? And she was like, She's like, oh, no, I'm doing my shift. And I was like, you're doing your what? <laughs> She's like, no, I, I volunteered to, to help with like, because this was our entry and exit monitor. This was somebody that was there making sure people walking into the con space had con badges. 
it's volunteered for it absolutely volunteered for it and stood there for like an hour and uh i i dare anyone to come face to face with maria without their badge and say no it's fine i'm supposed to be here i'm pretty sure she just like pull out the best like kung fu flip on you but in the sweetest way possible Oh yeah, it's like, like you would like you'd be on your ass looking up at her, saying, "Oh, you know, thank you for being very kind." <laughs> you would you would get your ass kicked in the nicest it, it, and in such a way that at the end you'd be like, "Oh, thank you for correcting me, ma'am. I'll go over here and get my tickets." No, no, thank you. No, I appreciate that. Oh yeah, that's absolutely no. Funny. If you've not, if you've not ever had the pleasure, that's one of one of the other reasons I would strongly encourage, if you have the means, to attend either Jordan Con or WatCon because um, you you get just experiences that you that are irreplaceable, that are completely unique, that you absolutely cannot get anywhere else. It, I, I said what I said. Yeah. Anyway, um, um, let's get into uh, as we start drawing to a close here. Yes. Um, and I, I didn't even think about doing this beforehand, but uh, since it's included in one of the resources that we frequently use, we make no secret of it. We use the absolute living shit out of both library.tarvalon.net and watt.phantom.com. Uh, fantastic resources. I I know that what.fandom.com has done a lot to update with origins information um, yes. from the origins of the Wheel of Time books. I'm not going to say that Tar- Tarvalon.net hasn't. I just haven't read enough on Tarvalon.net. No, but definitely go and check them out as well because uh, they are just an incredibly fantastic group in their own right. Um, Tarvalon.net is also one of the OGs. For those of you uninitiated, they've been around forever. Oh, long time. Um, So there's a section of what.fandom.com that talks about uh, contradictions. Uh, To their credit, they give the answers to the contradictions in the section contradictions. Um, So I kind of am like, eh, we don't really need this section. Um, Because I've seen things that are far more confusing that have far less about the potential contradictions. Maybe it's a work in progress thing that's being done for more things. I don't know. Um, I would rather see it and have it to talk about than not see it and not have it to talk about. So, uh, but I, especially for the Hornet player, I don't think it's necessary. Um, So the first one that uh, this brings up is this is in the Great Hunt when Otter Hawkwing is talking to Rand saying, I fought by your side, times beyond number, Luce Theron, and faced you as many more. We have come to the horn, but we must follow the banner and the dragon. And the question then being, if they must follow the banner and the dragon, how had he faced them? Uh, The easy answer is he wasn't on the side of the light. Or they weren't heroes when they faced him. I mean, keep in mind as well, there are many, many lifetimes that they had in which they weren't even channelers where they could have opposed each other 
Well, this is just Heroes of Horn in general. Most of them are each other. anyway. No, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. But remember, one of the benefits of being or it appears that most of them are not Chandlers anyway. Let me say and remember caveat. Being a hero of the horn means you have access to all the memories from all of your previous lives. So the the interesting thing there being really this is an interesting sort of contra- contrast between Arthur Hawkwing and Moradin, right? Because Moradin says the same thing. We've fought each other a thousand million lifetimes. We've we've fought each other so many times. And it's like, okay, but Arthur Hawkwing is like, okay, no, I'm a soldier. I understand. You win some, you lose some. That's fine. Moradin slash Balzman slash Ishamael is like, oh, I can't stand losing. I don't like it. And Sorry, so, I'm reading what more shot he's just posted. Yeah, no, no. I was, <laughs> he's on fire tonight. Maybe someone should hire that guy. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should. Uh, we'll add a should add a patron tier. Pay more shoddy. Pay more shoddy for all of you. <laughs> and we do have an EIN now, so we could technically do it. I mean, that's be true. like. I d- can we pay you in like peanuts and hand and like head fats? Like we can pay him acceptable? in beer. Are you kidding? Oh, that's true. He he's down for it. He's good for it. I mean. So some of the some of these like uh, contradictions or whatever, uh, just like a lot of things where people are quick to point out contradictions. Not all, but some. Uh, some of them have just very simple answers. If timeless sickle and has gone on forever and ever and will technically go on forever and ever and ever, then it's honestly it's just a simply factual statistical statement to say we've fought together thousands of times. We fought against each other thousands of times because throughout the course of the turning of the wheel souls will be reborn hundreds thousands technically an infinite number of times exactly Um, and with that infinite number of times there comes an infinite number of possibilities because you know even the dragon can turn to the shadow um uh so it, it makes sense it could just be that they have fought in person many times there's nothing saying that there wasn't like a dragon soul reborn during Otter Hawkwing's siege of the White Tower, and they fought and lost. And Otter Hawkwing, in his Hero of the Horn state, knows, yes. yeah, Luz Theron, I kicked your fucking ass. Like, you you were bullshit. Like, you showed up like Darth Vader, and I was there as a fucking force ghost, so you lost. It's just how this works. Well, uh, and, that and now also, I made I'm, I made you a force ghost again, so you're welcome for returning you to the age of 22 when you weren't burnt to fucking ugly as shit. So. <laughs> that that also opens up the the possibility that a the soul of Luz Theron slash Rand slash the dragon has been spun out slash Steve. You know, at some point he was named Steve slash steve has been spun out a thousand times in the turning of the wheel before he's ever actually needed to be anything important so a thousand lifetimes of lose there and just being a, a regular everyday normal motherfucker just a regular just your average ordinary motherfucker. Day, day motherfucker yeah 
<laughs> that's my headcanon for Steve now, by the way. Steve that's is it. just like, he's like the Mark Twain of the Wheel of Time life. Just brands like just the Dragon Soul Reborn, writing stories and books. I love it. Calling people names he definitely shouldn't. I'm in it. I'm in it. I love it. Okay. The Horn of Valir. I think. Uh, I we think want to I... do the second one. Because it lists one more contradiction. Um, Hit it. About do it. Uh, it's tied into the first being that uh, Ultra Hawkwing uh, telling Matt in the last battle, uh, this is in a memory of light, that they would never fight for the shadow. And it. Oh, I can't remember what logical fallacy this is, but it relies on a faulty premise from the first um, contradiction. But it is a logical fallacy where you rely on the premise of the first contradiction being true. So therefore, this now becomes a contradiction. It's like fruit of the poisonous tree kind of shit. Okay. Where if it's like, well, if you never fight for the shadow, then how did you face Luce Theron many times in the past? And it's like, just because he's good guy now doesn't mean he's always Messiah. Like that's that's non-true Messiah figure, but kind of Messiah figure one hundred and one. Okay. So uh, the thing about like the, the Christian Messiah is that he is infallible. He is uh, made flesh, but is God made flesh? Is immune from sin? Is immune from the uh, temptation? Well, not immune from the temptations, but is holy enough to resist the temptations through the power of his father god um that is the whole thing about why uh the, the christian jesus christ was able to take on the sins of the world and uh be sacrificed to pay atonement for the sins of the world past present and future that's how that works you have a being that was actually able to live uh free of sin just by very nature of their demigod-ish status uh to be fair um but that's not what the dragon is. The, dragger, the dragon is more of a pseudo-messiah. It is an individual that is reborn with the potential knowledge, with the potential power to be that linchpin point, uh, that deciding factor on do we tilt the scales into salvation or do we tilt the scales into damnation? And even when they tilt the skills into damnation, somebody else comes in and, and kind of at least lessens the blow uh, to some extent. So, so it's the, the dragon, and this is kind of one of the big things about why people are so freaked and worried about the dragon being reborn is because it is a failable or a fallible soul. There's no guarantee that the dragon is going to show up and say, yo guys, I'll make things better. In fact, Rand spends like, I don't know, 12 to 13 bucks not really making shit better. He didn't make it as worse as it can be, but there's plenty of time that he didn't make shit better because he is I, fallible. I, I feel like, and so this is, I will say, and once again, I want to throw out the precursor. I understand there are many, uh, uh, many Christian peoples out there. I am not saying anything bad about your faith i am talking strictly from a story perspective and in this particular case i like the fallible story more one of the things one of the things i say to people when i'm trying to get them to read the wheel of time is i say to them 
Yeah, it's a fantasy story where you've got the 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 trope of a savior. However, where that trope is turned upon its head is that the savior is destined to go insane. The savior will absolutely go insane. Now, will he go insane before the end and kill everyone? Or will he stave it off long enough to make sure that everyone's safe at the end of the story? We don't know. And as a first time reader, you go through the story going, Rand is batshit crazy right now. I'm not, I'm scared because if we need him, if we need Rand and Matt and Parent, all three to be at the last battle and to, to fight tooth and nail to not die, and Rand is insane already at book six, book two. We've got problems. This is this is not okay. And this that's one of the most engaging pieces of the story. To have a savior prophesied to save the world. Oh, by the way, he's also insane. And we don't actually know if he's going to actually do that or not. Because well, the prophecies also say he could just as easily just kill everything again. Well, Again. It comes down to um, the the first Spider-Man movie. Uh, one of the things that uh, that Goblin says to Spider-Man, right? Do you know what people love more than a hero? Watching a hero fall. Exactly. But there's beyond that. What do people love more than watching a hero fall? A hero fall, go to the brink of turning or dying or whatever, and redeeming and showing that they can come back from the edge. Because people, people love the story. It's it's both the solution and the problem with like Superman, right? Superman, other than like injustice or whatever, um, for the most part, the idea of Superman is he's infallible. He resists the temptation to kill, resists the temptation to do that. For at least the earlier parts of Superman, they they brought him more into the realm of susceptibility to more like mortal thoughts and concerns uh, more recently, but. Those are big things, right? Like whenever Man of Steel came out and he snapped Zod's neck, people were like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. He killed somebody. Like he 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 broke his rule, um, which is also one of the arguments why Batman is better than Superman. Uh, but that doesn't include the Ben Affleck uh, Batman. So it does not. Uh, anyway. Um, but that, that that's the thing that people love. They 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 don't want to live in a world or be in a world where people are always going to be superior to them. They want everybody to be susceptible to the same plights, the same desires, the same risk, the same vices, uh, where everybody is, everybody is, uh, is vulnerable. But what they love to see as well as that is somebody falling victim and being susceptible to all of that and still rising from the ashes and doing the right thing, being the hero and then getting the recognition for the hero which I think is why Rand's story 
is compelling to those of us that it is compelling to because it is a story of somebody that didn't want fame didn't want fortune was forced into fame and fortune was going down this really dark road uh where they might destroy everything and then being brought back from the brink of being the worst thing to ever happen to the world to being the bet one of the better things that ever happened to the world um and I think part of that for sure came into conversations not only he had with Heroes of the Horn, but conversations that other people had with Heroes of the Horn, like Matt talking with Arthur Hawkling um, and seeing how all of that went and my feeble attempt to bring things back to the Hero of the Horn rather than a moral lesson about uh, being a failable Messiah figure versus being an infailable Messiah figure. Hey, it so. made sense along the way. That's what matters. Yeah. But Batman so, is better. Okay. There's that. There is that. Also, I will say this. With regards to Superman killing General Zod. Uh, all of you who hated it can fuck right off. Because that was one of the most emotionally charged moments in any Superman story. And I will die on this hill. Oh, it, it fucking broke him. Right. He hurt. He was so Thank hurt. You. Like his absolute enemy that was trying to destroy everything he loved, and he kills him, and is just broken. It 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 hurts so bad. And even even the justification that he was defending the innocent and the people that he had grown to love, even that justification was not an i mean okay listen to me right now i'm telling you right now if someone comes into my home you listen with to the me. intent you listen to do right my now. family harm i will be happy to end it i'm sorry i'm i'm not gonna apologize for that superman was way more emotionally impacted than i think i would be given the same scenario so if you don't like that superman because of that scene, then you missed the point entirely. I, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, Superman was never meant to mirror the human standard, right? Ever. Superman Ever. was meant to, to show, at least initially, uh, in the initial vision, an infallible human standard, right? Yeah. He was meant to be a comic heroization of an infallible messiah-esque figure. Somebody that comes in, not only has the power, but has the, the mental space, the mental uh, allegiance, and the mental fortitude to always do the right thing, even when the decision was hard, to not right. kill the bad guy, even though he demonstrably can at any time. And this is semi-replicated in, in Spider-Man is one of the reasons um, yes. why Spider-Man is one of the more favorite characters in Marvel versus you know uh, Superman in DC. Because uh, for those of you that don't know, Spider-Man has like well, the whole reason Bucky is surprised in the movies is like that's a fortune you know, to stop my punch. And Spider-Man it was awesome. Continuously, Spider-Man Spook. continuously has to hold back to avoid killing yes. those he's fighting. Um now there are little wrenches in that, uh, especially in the cinematic universe, because he technically should have taken off um uh, goblin's head in like one fucking hit. Uh but uh, I mean, well, there's also a thing where Goblin was on the, the Super Soldiers or Super Goblin Serum or whatever the fuck he was on. Like, he was on that wacky green tobacco shit. Um, anyway, the devil has led nothing to anyway. do uh, with Heroes of the Horn. Um, 
as we devolve the Horn of Valir. Andrew, Andrew, give me your final thoughts. Anything you've learned, uh, anything that's changed your perspective about the Horn of Valir after this episode? Um, I will say the biggest change is viewing the Horn of Valir as similar to the Choden Call access key. Um, more shoddy, honestly, dude. Like the, the amount that you contribute to this show, you came in clutch um, tonight, dude. Is incredible. This is one of those As nights. You always you do. brought you brought the fucking receipts. It was fucking screenshot after screenshot after screenshot. Um, that both backed up and corrected uh, points that we made. <laughs> Have like five windows open. Nice. Uh, there's a reason <laughs> we call you the fact checker, Mahal. Um. The fact uh, of the distinction of there being heroes tied to the wheel is such an important distinction. And it honestly, I think it's I think it is the key to making everything make realistic sense within the wheel of time. It's it it makes that pool of, of hero-esque souls exist, ties them to the wheel. If the wheel spins out all the threads, it can then also analyze all the threads. And then allow them to make the decision to become a hero. But once you decide down that path, that's it. You're stuck. Um, you're going to be a hero forever. Um, it's interesting. I wonder how that really works with, with Brigitte. Because maybe it just really hadn't happened to Brigitte. So she was unsure if she was going to still be a hero or not. But she obviously was. Um, so uh, maybe the will doesn't care if you get pushed out unnaturally or not. You're still a hero of the wheel. And you're in the pole that the Horn of Valir can access. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, no, I, I yeah, I don't, it, it makes the Horn of Valir's mechanics, I think, make a lot more sense. That's going to be my headcanon from now on. The Horn of Valir is simply an access key to the hero, the pool of heroes in Teleron Riyadh. Um, yeah. I don't know. I like it. That's what I learned. Thanks, Morshadi. Thanks, Josh. All that. Uh, that, that. Yeah, Josh. What do you What do you think? What are your kind of final thoughts on the Horn of Valir? So, my final thoughts with the Horn of Valir is I'm going to say I'm, I'm kind of going to echo you here because viewing Just the to horn off of that real quick. Like okay, okay, okay. Follow me for a second. Brandon Sanderson has written. A number of books and he's had an extremely detailed magic system in each one of those universes okay cool 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 we're all cool we're all fine here now we understand that's the thing that's happened <clears throat> we're all cool we're all frosty however with the wheel of time we have one magic system one set of rules that we operate within reading these books as many of us have done reading them through a dozen times and finding something new every single time and i feel like i'm i'm still here four years into the black tar podcast i'm still learning new shit because nobody can tell me that the Horn of Valir is, is a Tirangrial because now I believe very, very strongly that 
some the person who created the Tirong, the person who created the Horn of Belir was a dreamer. They walked into Teleran Riyadh. They were able to master Teleran Riyadh in such a way or study Teleran Riyadh in such a way that they were able to make contact with the heroes of the Horn. They were able to learn about the nature of the connection that the heroes have to the wheel. And they were able to use that understanding to create the access key, which was the horn. Go, what, you, you got it, spit it out. Question, question for a future episode. Once made aware that the heroes of the horn were real and existed, could Egwene with her mastery of Teleron Riyadh have gone in, said, take me to our hero of the horn and shown up to somebody? And is the link to Teleron Riyadh why the horn has its loop spiral shape? I think, I think we can easily answer that one. Yes, probably. That's probably very much why it has its loop spiral shape. Because life, it's like a circle. There are no points. It's like a circle. But I do, I do wonder the question. That's something we should do. Have we done an episode on the nature of Teleron Riyadh? On the world of dreams? You know what? I feel like if we're asking this question, we should just throw it in there. Well, if we have, because, we do it again. Uh, because we're, I'll fucking do it again. No, put I, it on the I schedule. Love, I love that. Oh, geez, I Rick. Even love... I don't know if we should do this, man. <laughs> Come on, Morty. This'll just be a quick ninety-minute episode. On, it's fine. Infinite we're possibilities. Come on, Morty. Oh, geez, Rick. It's gonna be great. Ninety-minute episode. I can feel Morty. it on my taint. Oh no. We're gonna do this. Tickle the taint, Morty. Take your episode uh, and put it way up your butthole, Morty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that the fact that someone in the Age of Legends engraved "Death is no part of my call" upon the horn itself because they understood the horn, I feel oh, like hey, just adds. By the way, we're in the live recordings discussion chat, not the that's happening. But Mary knew here. I I feel like I feel like it's just it's such a powerful piece of of storytelling, and I love it. I absolutely love it. The horn of a. You know what I love? What do you love? I love these metaphysics, these these meta questions episodes so much because we start them. And I'm sitting there looking like metaphysics of the Horn of Valir. I have no fucking clue. And next thing I know, we've been recording an episode for like an hour and a half plus. Let's see, we started recording like just our pure straight through recording at like what seven forty-five. And it now says almost two and a half hours. Do you know? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. First off, first and foremost, if you're still here, leave a comment below. Um and Tell us what you think we should break down metaphysically next. And if you're listening live, wait for this to go live and then comment below what you think we should do live. Go comment Uh, on our YouTube. Fuck. If you could, if you could like help boost our algorithm, we would like totally like appreciate it. We're trying to get our YouTube numbers up. Okay. Our YouTube numbers are rookie numbers. We're trying to pump up those numbers. We, we've been in the 580s of uh, of subs for the last what, like two months? So for a while. Go tell your friends and families. Okay. Come subscribe to the Black Hour Podcast. We're cool. We're cool. We are cool. Okay. 
I am now. Oh god, I don't have a horn yeah. with me. I was about to be like, I'm now gonna blow the horn and summon subscribers. That was gonna be funny as shit. But I don't have a horn anywhere near me. No, what what happened, Mister? I used to play brass. I don't have a trombone anymore, bro. That was like twenty. Well, why don't years you ago. French your horn and make one show up? I summon the heroes of YouTube subscription to our channel. It's actually, is my pipe still at your house? It's the one I'm sucking on right now. What? Oh my! Just kidding. This one's mine. Bonus. Yes, yours. Is bonus still features. No, no, the one you're sucking on is mine. Yeah, that's right. Bonus flavor. I'm sucking on Andrews right now. Hey, everybody! Hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for going to podcast uh, blackjarpod.com uh, for all of your amazing tainty needs. Uh, thanks for being so amazing with your. <laughs> Bro, if I could braid my pipe, that would be absolutely insane. <laughs> Once again, the live chat has broken me. <clears throat> Can you tie it in a knot? Can you tie it in a bow? Okay. Thanks for being here. Thanks oh. for being amazing. Thanks for Jesus being awesome. Christ. Thank you for uh Is that actually uh, from the listening. Transformers an like animated show. Holy shit. It's mech mech, dude. Is that mech? Yeah, it's a good I mean, I saw I saw like red and blue and white and assumed it was Optimus. I mean, fair. Optimus like, is the goat. Like early so anyway, thanks for being here. In the 90s. Oh, thanks Voltron. for oh god, Voltron was that's that's my childhood right there. All you old fuckers with thanks. me watching Voltron Saturday morning cartoons <laughs> and shit. This is Commander Keith calling Galaxy Garrison. Yeah, y'all know that shit. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a listener of the Black Tower podcast. The best damn black tower out there. Thank, Thank you. you. We hope that uh, as you're finished with this episode, you leave here just a little bit more insane than you were when you first started. From all of us here at the Black Tower, I am Joshua Sorovan Mahale, and I commit to drinking this drink until Andrew is done talking. Go. All right, so I'm gonna pull out the talk. <laughs> I already failed. I already failed. I did. Yeah. I failed. Talk about broken promises. It's like broken condoms over here. So many broken promises. That, hey, don't talk about what happened at Jordan Con last time. Hey, that's the best event for some people's lives. <laughs> anyway. Oh, shit. <laughs> 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 from all of us here at the black tower i have been josh i have been andrew your pies on mail daniel your amica on the hill sends his best wishes uh and looks forward to joining us as soon as his duties outside the tower allow uh but as daniel would say i uh, hope you're having a fantastic morning and if I hope you're having a fantastic morning. If we don't see you again, good afternoon, good evening, good night, and don't forget the old swipe and seal. Always watching.
on your mom. Always running the show. Trouble just fitting 